it's nerve wracking, even if you've done it 20 times before. And it should be because you're talking about something very important that's going to affect your livelihood and, and how you live over the next, you know, several years working for that particular company. So, you know, you may go in there and your your hands are shaking and your palms are sweaty, but that's par for the course. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned, sometimes the hard way, throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. For a lot of people, negotiating salary can be really, really scary. And it goes so far beyond just knowing the steps. I can tell you from my experience that I took negotiation classes in law school and learned from really talented people and professors about how to negotiate and how it all works and what you're supposed to do. And that didn't always help me because I had a lot of fear around asking for more and asking for more money. And I think that a lot of women have the same fears that I have. And one thing that's really important for me is to normalize some of those fears and to normalize those difficult feelings that I think a lot of us have when it comes to the topic of money and our jobs and how much we're making and how much we want to ask for and how much we believe we're worth. If there's anyone out there who is on this journey of learning to negotiate, whether you're learning the steps and the technicalities behind it and how to position yourself when you're talking about salary or asking for more. Or maybe you know the steps, but like I did, you're struggling a little bit feeling confident and brave enough to ask for what you want. Maybe it feels really scary to you. Regardless of where you're at, I've been there and so many other women have been there. And it's really important for me to help as many women as I possibly can by showing them that all of this is normal. It's normal for it to be hard. And by sharing as much information as I possibly can on how to ask for more and get paid what you are worth. And I'm super lucky because today's guest, Regina, is a triple threat. Regina is a podcaster, and you'll hear about her podcast in this conversation. And she's built her career in HR, which means she knows all about negotiation from the HR side and shares tons of incredibly useful information that we can use to get better at negotiating and get better at making sure we're asking for our worth. And she's a working woman. And in this conversation, she opens up about where negotiating and asking for more salary has been hard for her. You're going to get tons of tactical advice in this conversation and hopefully tons of encouragement and inspiration that inspires you to believe that you are worth the salary that you want to earn and that when it comes time to ask for more, whenever that might be, you deserve it. And even if it's scary, you still can do it. I 
loved this conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it. And I'll catch you at the end. Um, my name is Regina Romeo. I'm a human resources director, human resources professional, and expert witness. So I work full-time as the director of human resources, and I work part-time as an expert witness in employment law and labor cases. Um, I also host a podcast, Office Politics Radio, and my career kind of goes back quite a, quite a way. I've been in human resources for gosh, over 20 years now. So all of my professional real jobs have been in human resources. Um, I started working for the state of California as a personnel specialist, what seems like a hundred years ago, (laughs) and got a lot of really good generalist experience in the area of human resources. Um, I've worked for the Department of Justice um, for the Attorney General in Employment Regulation And I spent about 16 years working for um, Los Angeles County in different HR capacities. So when I left there, I moved back to Northern California about, gosh, almost two years ago. So then I became the director of human resources for a county in Northern California for a year. And now I'm in my current position as a director of human resources for a consulting firm. Wonderful. So you've had a really deep experience in human resources, clearly so, so many years working in it. Um, And I would love to hear from you what you've kind of learned and observed over those years about salary and about negotiating salary, both, you know, from the side of being an HR professional and just as a working woman yourself. Um, Salary negotiations, I guess the most important thing to understand is that you only get to negotiate your salary one time for for that job. So it's really important that you do your legwork and kind of figure out where that company organization is and what they're looking for and what value you can bring to that position. So for the most part, an organization will have a range of what they're willing to pay for that particular position classification or to have those job duties performed. And you have to do your work beforehand to figure out if you're undervaluing what your time is going to be worth or overvaluing. So it's just like when you're putting your house on the market and you want to look at what the comps are in your neighborhood to figure out where in the market your house is going to be acceptable to be sold or an acceptable price to ask for. And as a human resources person, I already have a range in mind, you know, and most of the time or a lot of the time I should say that the range will be posted with the job opportunity. And if it's not, there's still going to be other ways that you can find out what is reasonable in the marketplace to expect a position like that to pay. So, for example, if you're going to be an accountant in Cincinnati, Ohio, you want to do your market research to figure out, okay, an entry level accountant in Cincinnati makes X amount of dollars per year. I'm bringing in, you know, this type of experience or this level of education and what have you. And that is what I'm going to ask for when I go into negotiations. So as a candidate or as an employee, I always do my legwork on the organization and what the market will bear. As an HR person, I've seen people come in and ask for things, you know, it's it's a range. You see people ask for things that are completely unreasonable and they're never going to happen. And then you have other people who, 
you know, justify what they're asking for with the research that they've done. So it's more about the conversation between you and the hiring manager or the hiring authority to get to a point where you both agree that something is reasonable and acceptable versus trying to, like I said, like overprice yourself or something like that for a position that's just never going to pay that amount. That makes a lot of sense. If somebody's feeling a little fuzzy and they're feeling like, okay, I want to kind of figure out where my range is, but I but I don't know where it is. Are there places or steps that they could take to try to gather more information on that? Um, you can definitely go online and look at what some of the job postings are for your particular field and for your region and for your years of experience. So an entry-level like I said, an entry-level accountant is going to be different than maybe a senior accountant or a managing accountant and things like that. And those types of jobs are posted all over job boards and they have an associated salary with them. So you can easily find that information. But what tends to happen in the negotiation is people think about what their particular value is, where it's like, okay, well, I'm worth a million dollars, you know, so I'm going to come in and ask for something that may be outside of the range of what that company is willing to pay you. And it's the same way, you know, using the house analogy again, if it's a house that you grew up in and it has a lot of sentimental value, you're going to try to overprice it to say, you know, I want $800,000 for this house. But if every house in a three-mile radius is selling for 250000 then you have to be more reasonable about what the market will bear. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So there's kind of the employer side of it, and then there's what you think you're worth and figuring out where those meet and how to put something out that reflects your value but isn't unreasonable and like you said not reflecting the value of the house or the value of you right right because i mean i remember when i was selling my car um a couple years ago i had my last car for 14 years i love that car you know it was it was everything and when i went to trade it in i'm thinking oh my gosh you know this car is priceless y'all should be giving me thousands of dollars but <laughs> when i was sitting down with the salesman he was like so we're going to give you $1,000 because at the end of the day, it's a 14-year-old car with 160,000 miles on it. So the market would not bear, you know, what I felt the car was worth because what it, it meant to me personally versus what it was really going to be worth in the real world. You know, for the rest of the world, they they don't care about, you know, my feelings and the attachment to the car. <laughs> There's no price you could put on that at the sales office, unfortunately. Oh, I totally relate. I feel like my car is like a human. <laughs> right. It's like part of my, you know, existence. So <laughs> do you see people undervaluing and actually not realizing that they can aim a bit higher in terms of their salary ask? Not not so much, especially not these days, because there's so much information out there that you can really figure out beforehand what the base salary for a position is. So I've never really had anyone come in and say that they want something that's under market. You know, if I'm making an offer, I probably will offer something to you at the beginning of the salary range and then see where we go from there. So you may come back and say, well, I want 5% more or 10% more. And then I have to see if that's going to be something that we can you know, when when you make your counter offer, if that's something that would also be acceptable, but undervalue, not really so much. And once that initial number goes out, it sounds like 
there's definitely room there to respond to it. So definitely think about what you might want to come back with. When I was earlier in my career, I didn't know you were supposed to do that. I was like, cool. Right. Okay, this looks great. <laughs> right. You know, it's just like, oh, okay, I'll, t- I'll take that. <laughs> so in the back office between human resources and finance, there's a range that's already assigned to every position that we have. So there's going to be a base range, you know, at the beginning, and then it will go up to, you know, from from X amount of dollars to Y amount of dollars. So you have to come in somewhere in there. So if I'm sending you a letter and saying, okay, this is X amount of dollars, and you come back and say, well, I want X plus 5%, as long as we haven't gotten to the Y amount of dollars, then we're probably still okay. Because the range is there so that you can advance over the next year, two years, three years, five years, however long it takes you to get to the max of that position. But that has to already be in what's budgeted or what we're willing to pay for that position. So if you come in, so if I offer you X and you automatically go to Y, maybe that might still work. If you go to Y plus 5% or plus 10%, then I'm going to have to counter offer again and bring you back down to the Y amount of dollars. And this kind of goes back to what you were saying before, too, which is having as much information as possible, because the more information you have, the more you can go through that process and kind of have an idea of where you're going to end up landing and kind of anchor your asks around that. Right. And you want to look, you're going to look at your current salary. So in California, I can't ask you what your current salary is, but I can ask you what your expectations are for this new position that you're taking on. And obviously, most employees or workers are going to want to have their salary at minimum matched and then have an increase on top of that. So, you know, it's not often that you have an employee who's coming in with a lot of, you know, experience, education, background, and they're like, oh, yeah, pay me, you know, 10, 15% less than what I'm making now, and I'll be happy to take it because they're usually not going to be. But we can't get into that conversation until we get to the point where we're negotiating. Right. And that's just in California, right? Is that in any other places where up front they're not allowed to ask your salary? Um, It's all state by state because it's an an attempt to um, address the pay equity issues that exist with, you know, women in the workplace. And it's something to try to help close the gap. So even if you're being underpaid in one position, and you've never been, you know, advanced through a salary range, and you haven't, let's say you haven't maxed out at your previous position, if I know that I can get you for less than what my X amount of dollars is, then a lot of companies were offering you less than X amount of dollars, even if their starting pay was more than what you were making. So if you've already disclosed that you've made, you know, this amount of money, I can still think of, okay, well, I could probably get this person for offering 5%, which is still less than what I was going to offer someone who did not disclose their salary history. Mm -hmm. So state by state, it's, you know, coming to pass that the, the, the equity issue is being addressed. Great. That's really, really helpful. And I want to go back to something that you mentioned, which is when you're switching jobs, you're likely to want your current salary plus more. And you know, something that I've learned and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on is changing jobs and switching positions is a massive opportunity to get your salary higher or closer to parity or to where you want it to be. So I would love to hear your perspective on the importance of using those job switches to, you know, maybe if you're a little bit under market, using those as an opportunity to catch up and and get to where you need to be. What what I would say about 
switching positions is maybe you're in a position currently where, you know, you were getting experience or you were going back to school or you were getting a certification or whatever. When those things come to be a reality and those are on your resume now, then you know that I can increase my ask because my value has gone up. Now I have an associate degree or a bachelor's degree or a certificate in this so I can ask for more money based on those things that maybe you didn't have when you entered into your current position. So moving forward, you have to do a constant and continual reassessment of what your value is in the market and again, what you're bringing to that organization coming in the door. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think one thing that can also be helpful, I don't know if this is something that you've done, but pausing every once in a while to take stock of projects and things that you've done, because it's so easy for us like to get, I think, caught up sometimes in the monotony of like our Monday to Friday, nine to five lives. And we almost forget how much we've accomplished and grown and learn and learned. And I think that keeping track of that and taking some time to pause and reflect and think about like, oh, what do I know how to do now? Even if you're not even job searching, just to kind of really get crisp on what you're bringing to the table so that when it does come time to have those conversations, you really have like a nice arsenal, a nice toolkit of things that you can talk about to demonstrate, you know, why you're making the specific salary ask that you're making. Right. And so if you're, you know, managing a budget or you're managing a staff or you're managing anything that was not, you know, necessarily on the job description or you've taken on special projects or you've taken on a different role, you definitely want to keep track of those because that archive becomes very important, not just when you're in your current position, you know, trying to negotiate if you're looking for a promotion or something like that. But also when you go back into interviewing, you want to have those types of experiential conversations with the hiring manager to say, yes, I have, you know, experienced this, I've managed this, I've handled this, because those don't always appear on your resume and they may slip your mind. So you want to be prepared for the entire recruitment process, which includes the interview to the point where you're getting to the salary negotiation. So when you get to the negotiation, they already have in mind, oh, okay, well, we know this candidate has handled this and managed this and everything else. So we can come in with a stronger offer because we want this candidate with this experience. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like building the base of the pyramid. Like if the top of the pyramid is the talk about salary and the conversation around what you're going to get, it's like, you're building the base of that pyramid in the interviews and in the conversations, talking about these things and laying the foundations for what you offer, which I imagine the more solid of a job that you're able to do doing that, then hopefully when you get to the top of the pyramid and you're talking about compensation, it's maybe an easier conversation because you've put some of those pieces in place. Right. And it doesn't seem like your request for salary is coming out of nowhere. Like, how in the world did you get to this number? You know, it's like, well, you know, based on my experience and you have to be able to express that because in the interview process and when you're, you're, you're meeting the hiring manager, you're meeting the people who are going to make the decision about whether to, you know, bring you on board or not. They have no idea about anything that you've done beyond what's on your resume, which is a whole other, you know, conversation we could have in terms of resume building, but it's, important to be able to vocalize those things because I think a lot of times we shy away from talking about money. You know, it's like nobody wants to talk about money. Even in our most 
you know, intimate relationships, if you need to talk to your spouse or your partner about, you know, well, oh, you know, I don't want to talk about, nobody wants to talk about money ever, but you do yourself a disservice by being too polite about it because your HR person, your finance person, the, the hiring manager or whatever, they're not going to have feelings one way or another about it. You know, mm-hmm. you need to come in and really sell yourself literally on why you're asking for that salary and stay strong with it. Again, have your justification because, you know, you've done your 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 comps, you've looked at, you know, what your experience is and what you can bring as far as why you're worth that salary. And then you 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 go into the room. <laughs> you know, you you come in with with whatever it is you're prepared with in order to justify saying, well, this is the amount of money that I'm looking for in order to come on board with you. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's a whole art to it. And I think that I think it's very normal for that entire process, not just the salary negotiation, but the process of talking about yourself and presenting yourself in that way. I think it's normal for that to be challenging at first. And I know for me, it was something that I really had to become comfortable with and step into over time. It's not it's not natural for everyone. And that's okay. No, I don't think it's natural for anyone. You know, even when I go into when I was negotiating for the position that I have currently, it's nerve wracking, even if you've done it 20 times before. And it should be because you're talking about, you know, something very important that's going to affect your livelihood and, and how you live over the next, you know, several years working for that particular company. So if you're feeling nervous or anxious about it, that's perfectly normal because you can either have, you don't know how the other party is going to react. So there's just that anticipation and that anxiousness that comes with not knowing the outcome of anything that's totally normal. And it's not something that ever really goes away over time. So even as you know, far as I am into my career and having to negotiate my salary a few times, you still lose sleep. <laughs> you know, so it's nice. So don't don't feel bad that, you know, it's like, you know, you may go in there and your your hands are shaking and your palms are sweaty, but it's totally that's par for the course. Yeah. And, you know, not only are you really experienced and you're also a very confident person just in your life and in your career, but you also know how the mechanics of some of this work. So if it even makes you feel nervous or afraid, I would say it's really, really normal to have any kind of (laughs) fear or anxiety around it. Yes. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's such a, a big deal, even in the, like I said, even in the relationships where you are really close to a person, you have an intimate relationship with someone, you don't want to talk about money with that person either. So talking to strangers about it and saying, okay, well, I'm asking for this amount because, or having to turn down an offer and counter offer, it is a lot. It's a lot to, it's a lot to take in because you don't want to get to a point where it's like, okay, well, am I asking for too much? Is this going to be too much? Is, you know, and then I don't want them to reject it or whatever. And like I said, until you know the outcome, you don't really know. But if you've done your due diligence and you're going in and you're saying, okay, this is what this is what I have to bring. This is what I think it's worth. Then they'll decide on what happens next. Because if you get to the point where you're negotiating your salary, you're the final candidate for that position. So they're going to do whatever is reasonable to bring you on. If you do something completely unreasonable, and like I said, I've seen that several times, Sometimes you have to bring people back down to reality, but at the same time, they want you, you know? So if you're negotiating the salary, 
it's the final step between you and not working there and working there. And even though it seems like a really huge deal, they want you to come on as much as you want to be there. And recruitment is just very difficult. So it's hard to identify really good candidates for positions. So I wouldn't want to lose a candidate because, you know, I being the employer was being unreasonable or too tight with the money and saying, well, I don't know about that. You know, they're asking for this or asking for an increase or whatever, and then have to start the recruitment process all over again, because that's a nightmare. That's the worst case scenario. That's such a helpful reminder for people. And I feel like such a helpful confidence boost to know that the fact that you're having that conversation means that you're a highly desirable candidate basically means they want you. It's almost like, I mean, you have gotten a yes at that point. And, And yeah, that's really important to remember that for them, they don't want to backpedal. They want to get you in the spot. And so, you know, that should give you a little bit of a boost of confidence. Yeah, because recruitment is a it's it's a it's a process, you know, and having to start all over with someone else or even going to their second choice, it's 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 a lot of time and effort and resources and money that go into bringing a person on board just from the advertising for the position, you know, culling the herd, I guess you could say, of candidates getting the panel together to do the interviews, making an offer, putting a good package together for that candidate. All of that takes time. So if I can get to cross the finish line with a candidate and maybe we need to adjust our offer and increase it a little bit and then we're good to go, then I'm fine with that. You know, it, like yeah. I said, as long as it's not something completely unreasonable, you can pretty much negotiate anything. Yeah. And that makes a ton of sense. And also the fear, the fear is real, right? Because you don't want to be asking too low. That's not a good feeling. And we'll get into that a little bit more, the the thought of being underpaid with the listener question. And then also asking mm-hmm. too high is like not the best outcome either, right? Like you don't want to right. you don't want to be out there. So, you know, when you're doing it and, and kind of trying to figure out what to put out there and where you want to land, it does feel sometimes like a shot in the dark. I mean, hopefully you have information, but it can be scary. It, it'd be very scary. And that's why doing that work ahead of time will kind of quell some of that anxiety because it's like, okay, I know they're not going to pay me less than this, or they're not going to pay me more than that. So where do I fit into that range? And that's what you need to go in understanding. Absolutely. Are sites like Glassdoor that kind of show ranges, are those reliable sources for, you know, trying to figure out where your title might be? Um, Glassdoor has some information. Um, a lot of just the job boards in general will have a lot of that information and you can kind of start to get some idea. And especially if you're already in the field, um, you can look at what some of the ranges are for positions at your own organization without, you know, raising too many flags that you might be looking for another job. But even if you're looking for a promotion and you want to negotiate your promotional salary, that's another place to go is to just find out from your own organization what's the range for, you know, the next step for me. I think that's a really helpful point. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think it's incredibly empowering to take that into your own hands and to have a conversation with your manager or with the head of your team about that and to ask, because I I do think sometimes people feel like maybe that's off limits. Maybe they can't ask, but I think it's incredibly important. Like Fort Knox, right? Like you can't go behind that wall. And you're just not, you're not asking for anyone individual salary. That's what's confidential. 
but the range that is paid for that position just in general or what's budgeted for that position is usually information that, you know, is shared throughout the organization. So you may not find out how much your coworker is making, but you can find out what the range for that particular position is for that's, sure. Yeah, that's incredibly helpful. And I think my my advice to anyone, you know, if you're thinking about advancement within your current company and not necessarily switching jobs and changing jobs is for the conversation both about your promotion salary and just where you are in that promotion trajectory to be as Mm -hmm. open as possible about it and as proactive as possible. And also if you're negotiating just for a salary increase in your current position, you know, I've been here for X amount of years or, you know, I've gotten this certificate while I've been here or I've taken on these duties and I'm you want to go in and you want to negotiate an increase, you need to have that information as well. So there are a lot of different opportunities to talk about salary, but it's it's not something that is, like I said, it's not comfortable for any for anybody, but at the same time, you don't want to do yourself, you don't want to hold yourself back from having that conversation because it's like, well, I'm too scared to say anything or whatever, because it's, it's still going to be what it is. You're either going to get a yes or a no, but you're never going to know that until you ask. Absolutely. And I think regardless of the outcome, I think asking is an incredibly empowering thing to do. Yes. Yes. There's a lot of there's a lot of, you know, confidence and and, and empowerment that comes just from the ask, you know, just putting yourself in a position to to be out there asking for, you know, a certain salary. It's like, okay, well, you know, I think it's time that I try to, you know, increase my salary a little bit. And it's always better for me. not always, but I would say most of the time better for me, for me to do that with my internal candidates. Because like I said, it's it's difficult to find someone on the open market who's going to fit into that job position and be able to, you know, perform the duties versus hiring um, someone internally or promoting someone internally that already knows your organization. They're already used to your culture and they're just adjusting their role there. So if they're coming in asking for, you know, an increase based on this or that, it's definitely something that I take into consideration. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that is a really big issue is the pay gap across genders. And then if you, you know, if you subcut within women and, you know, look at Latino women and women of color, the pay gap is even broader. And I think that, you know, one thing that I would encourage anyone listening to do is, even if it feels kind of scary and like a big thing to go and ask for more salary, because it is, it is really scary. That's normal. You can start with a small step, right? You can just start like poking around lightly, um, you know, looking at job boards, like you said, looking at Glassdoor, maybe (laughs) if you're feeling courageous, asking someone who you trust and, you know, explaining to them that you're just trying to figure out if you're being fairly compensated because, yeah, I think as women, we have incredible power to proactively try to close that gap. Right. And it's really going to be up to us to do that because if it's it's one of those things where a, a, a lot of it is because there's not a lot of conversation around it. So having the conversation about it just, you know, through your podcast or through, you know, other other avenues in a casual atmosphere translates to what's going to happen once you get into your job environment. I think what we have to understand as women is that, you know, you're just as capable and you're just as qualified as the next person who is coming in 
And trust me, there's there there are enough people out there who are not shy to ask about money mm-hmm. on an ongoing basis with no qualms about it whatsoever. So while it may be uncomfortable and while it may be even foreign in some um, situations where it's like, gosh, I've never asked about my salary before or even talked about my salary before. You just have to jump in there. You know, I always say a closed mouth doesn't get fed. So you have to put yourself in a situation where you're not, you know, making a lot of noise and making a lot of ruckus about it, but you're at least having a converse, a realistic conversation about compensation because that is what's going to follow you for a, a long time in your career, whether you stay in the current position that you have or not. Absolutely. One of my biggest learnings has been like once I truly realized like what you said, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, the closed mouth doesn't get fed. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get it as squeaky as I can possibly get because right. literally, you know, and the show is called The Art of Speaking Up. Literally, it can be as simple as that. And the fear is real. But, you know, this is where, like, for example, having a trusted friend or someone who can just give you a little emotional push too and make you feel empowered can be really helpful. Yeah. And and it, and like, you know, we said before, it's not easy. It's not like, hey, I'm just going to walk into my boss's office and, you know, have this conversation because you don't want to come in and, you know, well, I'm going to make demands and I need to get this or I'm leaving because nobody likes to be pushed into a corner. But if you're having a real professional, you know, adult grown up conversation with somebody like, hey, you know what? I was looking at my salary and I was debating, you know, whether or not to even come in and ask about it. But I just thought that I would come in and maybe we can have a conversation about, you know, a possible movement. And you're not going to go in and ask for a 25% increase because that's just that's just never going to happen. Like I said, positions aren't budgeted that way. But if you're asking for a smaller increase, you're looking at it um, on an annual basis or based on maybe some additional education or certifications that you've had or just additional experience, then by all means, you know, at least go in there and talk about it. And just another point, like I've never had anyone fired for asking for more money. Like nobody's ever been terminated because it's like, oh, so-and-so came in to ask for money. You know, we're going to just terminate that person. That's not how it works. They may turn you down and they may say, well, that's not in the budget or that's not, you know, what we were projecting for this quarter or for this fiscal year or whatever to have an increase in in salary and benefits because that's an employer's biggest biggest expense in their budget. But put that conversation out there because you never know. You ju- you never know until you ask. Exactly. And maybe another strategy too to help someone pump themselves up and feel mentally ready is you can think about it as, you know, you might have a team one day, right? <laughs> and you might have to advocate for the people on your team and hopefully for women on your team. And mm-hmm. you can think about, you know, asking for yourself now and getting past that fear and just pushing yourself to do it. Think of it as a training ground for the future when you're going to be an incredible leader and you're going to be advocating for your team and doing what you can as a leader to pay it forward. Right. And don't let those opportunities pass you by because, like I said, there are enough people in your workplace where you are currently that are having those conversations that you don't even know about. So, you know, all salary negotiation is confidential. So if you're, you know, the person who's sitting five feet from you, if they're in your boss's office asking for money, more money and getting it, don't let yourself get left behind because you're too fearful to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's easy to let that fear take over. Like, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to rock the boat, you know, but again, you have to look at what 
your organization is doing financially, you know, where their budget is, are there shortfalls? Are you, you know, you're not going to go and ask for a salary increase when, you know, you heard that there might be layoffs or something like that. But at the same time, if you know that, you know, your company is stable or it's prospering or whatever, then let's just have a little conversation. You know, let's just, let's just see where it ends up. Absolutely. And it can be so easy to think that you're the only one that's afraid and be like, oh, right. like, I can't ask because everyone else is like so bold and I can't. I'm scared. No, we're, right. we're all scared. We're all scared. <laughs> well, I remember I was we were hiring for um, one of my managers at one of my old jobs <clears throat> and he came in and he was talking to the panel and the entire time he was the, he was sweating bullets the entire interviews. So we're all sitting there like, you know, just just breathe, take it easy because we had gotten down to just two candidates and he knew he was one of two and he was just pouring sweat by the time the thing was over. But that's what happens to people, you know, even the most confident and he had so much experience and he was so well-rounded. He was he was actually exactly what we were looking for. So we ended up extending an offer to him. But even when you feel like you're the best thing going for that particular position, or you want to come in and make a good impression or whatever, even with all his experience and education, he was still a nervous wreck, you know, and, and it's difficult to get out of your own head sometimes during those conversations because it's uncomfortable, but you'll, you'll, you'll survive. It just takes, it takes a little doing. Yeah. I really love that you shared that story too, because I think it's so human and so normal to get nervous. And I think it's really a place where we can beat ourselves up a lot when that happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, I must have tanked that. And I'm sure he probably left thinking because he was like soaking wet by the time he by the time he left. So I'm sure he probably thought, well, there went that, you know, and that was like whatever. But you could just see the sweat like beating off of his forehead and everything. But we ended up, you know, but he was the best candidate, you know, and he wouldn't have gotten that far in the process if he wasn't going to be capable of, of handling the position, you know, but in those moments when you're trying to just come across as really composed, but inside you're like shaking like a leaf or, yeah. or something like that. Totally normal. Yeah. Totally and normal. Everyone has a different personality, right? Like some people right. are cool as a cucumber and some people aren't. But what, what I would want to emphasize for anyone who's listening is you don't have to be the cool as a cucumber type of person to go crazy far in your career. Everyone can do it. Right. And even if I'm coming across as cool, I'm probably falling apart inside, you know, where it's just like, okay, you may have learned some, you know, techniques to kind of keep your exterior a little more, you know, looking like you're a little calmer than you actually are. And that takes some practice as well. But for the most part, it's so nerve wracking. Interviews are so nerve wracking. Talking about money is even more (laughs) nerve wracking. So, you know, give yourself a break. In, in that regard, if you're nervous about it, that's completely understandable. But don't let that nervousness or that discomfort, you know, kind of take you out of the game completely. Absolutely. I love that message. It, it just, I think it's easy to tell yourself that because you're not perfect and because you get nervous or whatever it is, it's just so easy to say, well, like, oh, I must not be good enough because someone else can come in and just be like so charismatic and smooth mm-hmm. during the interview. They're they're nervous too. Yeah, trust me. Absolutely. In you know, every candidate that I've ever had, if you're not nervous in an interview, then I don't trust that either. You know, so it's like I'm expecting you to be nervous. So I try to make people as comfortable as possible 
come, you know, I'll ask some kind of ice breaking questions, you know, did you have any trouble finding the building? You know, um, how was the traffic getting here? Especially when I used to work in LA, um, you know, and to just kind of break the ice and let people get a little comfortable because I want people to come in and be at their best when I'm having conversations with them. So I could see what they're really all about. Mm-hmm. If they, if, if I, if they come in and the environment's too rigid or it's too cold or it's, you know, and people are put off and you already know that they're nervous, so you don't need to make it any worse for them. So I always try to just kind of set a, a more relaxed tone so I can ask my questions and they can ask me questions and we can have a conversation more so than just a rapid fire Q and A. Yeah. Well, you, you sound like a very, like a very generous and kind and empathetic interviewer. Some interviewers are not as amazing as you are. <laughs> well, it's it's a skill, you know, on both sides of the table, because I've been, you know, obviously on both sides of the table. So I know I'm nervous, too, as an interviewer. And I think that message gets lost sometimes where it's like, I'm just as nervous as you are, because I want to make sure that I've gotten enough information to make a good decision. So if you aren't comfortable sharing your information with me or you feel like the environment was too, you know, restrictive or too cold or I didn't have enough time to express myself or get to my point, then I have lost out on that experience as well. Mm -hmm. Because there may be things that obviously aren't on your resume or they weren't on your application or they weren't in your cover letter that would be beneficial for me to know as a hiring manager. But I can't get to that if I'm not doing a good job of interviewing I think that makes so much sense. As a candidate, one thing that's been helpful for me is to try to make some kind of human connection with the person. And if they open with small talk, like actually really try to connect, you know, like actually try to build that bond or even if they jump straight in, like, you know, whether it's like a small joke or eye contact or body language or something, I think anything. Yeah, exactly. If you can. Anything. If you can facilitate that, I think it can help both people feel more at ease and and have that conversation go a little bit more smoothly. Right. And as the interviewer, you know, there's an expectation that you're going to, you know, get all the words right and that you're not going to stumble when you're talking or, you know, and there's all these these things that people think happen on the other side of the table. And it's like, we're also having an episode under, <laughs> underneath the surface, you know, where it's like, oh, you know, I want to make sure that I, you know, ask good questions. Really good, well-crafted interview questions are also, you know, a, a lost art. Um, I've been in a lot of interviews where the questions, you know, I think to myself, what? You know, what are you, what are you even asking me right now? What does that mean? You know, and I'll, you know, and I'll ask and I'll be like, well, are you asking me, you know, blah, 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 or whatever, because the interviewers also have to do a good job of preparing for that interview. Mm -hmm. And if you're not asking specific pointed questions about that particular position, and you're using the same questions that you've used for the last 10 years, or that, you know, you use for every classification in your organization or for every job position that's there, you're, you're, you're really wasting the time, everybody's time. You know, it's so it's really important to craft good questions so that as you go through the process and by the time you get to the point where you're ready to make an offer, that you have as much information as possible about that candidate because you've done all that you needed to do leading up to that point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people should definitely feel open to clarify a question. You know, it's not like you're not in control at all. You can jump in and say like, hey, is this what you're thinking? Are you thinking more in this direction for this question? Right. And then, you know, just to clarify, because you want to be as 
as specific and as pointed as you can in your responses. And also make sure that you're at that the question that they're asking you is what you've really heard. You know, it's like, so if I understand, you know, you're asking me about this or you're asking me about that, and then you answer the question. And then sometimes I'm always, I even say, did that answer your question? And they'll say yes or no, or they'll say, well, I was looking for more information about this, this, or this, or they can ask, you know, more probing or follow-up questions. But it's, it's important to think of that whole process as, as you're interviewing them too, you know? So when I go into an interview, I want to know what that person I'm going to be working for is like. And if they're going to be, you know, amenable to me asking questions or getting clarification, or if they're like, hey man, if you didn't understand it the first time, I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's like, I don't know that I want to work for somebody like that either, but somebody who's really going to understand that, you know, like I said, we're both nervous. It's, it's not a comfortable situation, but let's try to get through it as best we can. I think that's so helpful. And I'm glad that we went into some of the inter- interview stuff, too, in addition to the salary stuff, because it's all part of the same process. Right. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I think I'm going to go into the listener question if you're ready for it. I think I'm ready. OK, wonderful. So I'll read you the question and then I'll turn it over to you. So the question is. The listener asks, I just learned that I am making less than someone on my team in the same exact position. There is not a huge difference in our performance, at least not one that I'm aware of. I always get positive feedback on my work. What is going on here? And is there any action I can take? I am feeling bummed out, but I also don't know exactly what I should do. Sincerely, less money, more problems. (laughs) Um, That's a good question. It's And it's really not a simple answer necessarily because there are a lot of different factors like we've talked about that go into compensation and determining where somebody is going to be in a range. So even if someone is making a little bit more money than you, there are other considerations like how long have you both worked there? If that person has more seniority or that person has more experience or a different background, then they're going to be compensated differently. And it's not just what you get as in terms of feedback and in terms of your annual review or quarterly review or, or whatever, you know, time frame that they're using, but really w- where are both of you and did they negotiate better? You know, so that's something to also take into consideration. Another thing that we're talking about today, because you'll find out, like I said, every individual's salary is confidential. But if you find out, hey, this person is making more money than me, you need to figure out what some of the other factors are and how it's the same or different than the position that you're in. And not just the position in terms of the title or the classification. They may be doing some other things that you don't know about. And they may be taking on some additional responsibilities that you're not you know, aware of. And there's really just a hundred different things that it could be. Um, it's not always an issue about fairness or something like, oh, well, I should be making the same amount of money as the person sitting next to me. Because like I said, everybody has their their own story and, th- and their own background. So what you could do is to possibly talk to your manager, if you're both in the same section or division or whatever, and just ask those questions. You can't ask about that other person's salary, but you can ask about your own and say, well, you know, if you do find that you have a comparable background, you've been there the same amount of time or whatever, and your understanding is that, you know, somebody's getting paid more while you're getting paid less, is there a way to close that gap possibly? Because you still want to approach it professionally. You can't really get into that, you know, 
coworkers' business too deep because that's not really what what the issue is per se. It's really about what you're being the the level that you're being compensated at and the conversations you need to have around your own salary. Yeah, absolutely. You can almost look at it as you kind of skip the step of having to do market research. Like you just got a data point, right? right? And now you can kind of go into that process that Regina was talking about, which is asking for a raise. Right. And and it's it's just like on any other team. You know, if you look at a baseball team, a football team, a basketball team or whatever, different players are compensated differently, but they all have to play their position. And it may be because one is a franchise player. One is, you know, somebody who doesn't get as many minutes and they all make different contributions. You just want to make sure that you're being compensated appropriately for your contribution, but not in relation to what your neighbor is making, because that's going to drive you crazy because you may never make what the person next to you is making because of a number of different factors. So don't just think of it in terms of, well, this person's making more money because it's always going to be somebody making more money than you. Mm-hmm. But what are you bringing to the table and what's your individual contribution? Because that's what you go into the negotiation, you know, armed with. It's like, well, I've been here for X amount of years or I, I bring this to the table or whatever. Because the minute that you start making it about someone else is the minute that your manager or the person is going to get turned off. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to really hear what you have to say because it's just going to sound like sour grapes. So even if that other person is doing a great job, you're doing a great job or whatever, make that conversation about you and your contribution versus trying to bring your coworker into the conversation. I love that so much. It's like they're the catalyst for you to take action, but everything right. moving forward is it's about you and your value and what you're bringing to the table, like Regina said. Right. Don't be don't don't let your coworker be the focus because they're over their mind in their own business. They don't even you know, they don't even know what you're talking about as far as, you know, well, this person's making more money. It's like, say what now? You know, but <laughs> yeah. when you go in to talk to your manager, it's like, well, this is about me, you know, and if, if I understand, you know, correctly, I'm just in here to negotiate a salary, but don't base it on the fact that your coworker is making more money because that just becomes more drama. You know, and they're just like, well, you know, hey, you've been here three years. They've been here six years. Boom. End of conversation. (laughs) You know, so don't don't set yourself up for a failure. I love that. That's so, so helpful. Thank you so much, Regina. Anytime. And now I'm going to go into the closing questions. My favorite part. So the first of the closing questions is about the title of the podcast, which is The Art of Speaking Up. Now, this could be in relation to the topics we've been talking about. Or it could just be more general, but I would love to hear your thoughts on speaking up, why it's important, what it means to you, anything that you would want to share um, with people who are listening. Um, I think that you, over time, find your voice, you know, and when I was younger in my career, you know, I can look back on some things and say, gosh, you know, I wish I would have handled that differently. I wish I would have said that differently. And you learn from those experiences. And when you are passed over for something or you don't get something that you feel like you were capable of doing or you were the best candidate for or whatever, let that be a learning experience. You know, I've had um, a, a few friends recently that are that are jumping back into the job market and looking for things and they've interviewed and they haven't gotten positions. And they're like, you know, I was, it was down to two and it was me and this other person and then I didn't get it. And they get really discouraged. And I, you know, tell them it's, you're you're not being rejected for I, I always think you're not being rejected for something you're being redirected towards something else so whether 
whatever it is you believe in terms of how your life plays out and your connection to the things around you, it's it's not always a straight path. You know, you're going to have peaks and valleys. So there's some times when, yeah, you know, I nailed it. It was great. And I can think of times in my career where I know I went in and I, oh my gosh, I killed that interview. They still didn't want me. <laughs> you know, they still passed me over for something else. Back to the drawing board. So don't be eternally discouraged by that setback. And it may not be that it, you not being selected had anything to do with you at all. A lot of times people, they pre-select who they want, or they're looking for someone who is at a different place in their career or has a different affect or a different personality or whatever. And it's nothing personal. And it's difficult to not take it personal because it's like a personal rejection. But at the same time, that's when you can rediscover things about your approach to a situation. It's like, well, was this on me or was this on them? You know, what could I have done differently or what what can I learn from this experience? Because it's it's all a learning experience, you know, and one of the quotes that I ran across a couple months ago was that, you know, rock bottom will teach you lessons that mountaintops never will. And you have to really be down there sometimes and get that, you know, redirection to really look at what you're doing. And as a hiring person, I'll have candidates that are, probably great, but either they didn't take the time to put their resume together really well and present themselves really well, or they come into the interview super duper extra casual in their mannerisms. Like, you know, they're not, you know, ready to be in a professional environment. So it's really all about putting your best foot forward, whatever that might be. And even if you don't get that position, it's just because it wasn't, you know, you have to believe in timing. You have to believe in being in the right place at the right time, because there have been positions where I've gotten when I wasn't looking for a job, (laughs) you know, the opportunities that have come to cross my path where it's like, oh, I didn't even, oh, you know, and those worked out. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, okay, that's why I didn't get that other thing. Because when I moved from Los Angeles back to Northern California a couple of years ago, I wasn't really looking to move outside of L.A., but I was looking around LA and nothing was kind of working out. And then probably a month after I got my last rejection letter, the opportunity to move back to Northern California um, where I was before and where a lot of my friends and family are came up and I was like, oh, okay, that's why I didn't get any of those other positions. So you have to kind of look at the long game, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and not think of each individual situation that you didn't get selected for as the end of the world. Because if you talk to any person who is in a position where they're successful and they love their job or whatever, it's not because they always had these open doors. Mm. It's because they did have the door slammed in their face, you know, one time or several times or whatever that caused them to kind of rethink where they were and what they wanted to do and go and they move on from there. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's such a good point. Even now, it got me thinking about times I interviewed for something and didn't end up getting it. And now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so good. Like I that didn't work out. It would have changed the course of my life. And I don't know if in the direction I want would right. want it to. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you'll have you would be in that situation. And a lot of times you build something up, you're like, oh man, if I get this job or if I move to this place or I have this other situation going on, then that's gonna be the best thing ever. And then you do get that job and it's like, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Or this is, you know, it could be any, any number of things where it's like, yeah, this is not, 
wow, you know, this is not my ideal. So you don't want to idealize something that you have no idea about and say, oh, no, this is going to be great. And, you know, this is going to be the be all end all because it's probably not because you have a long career ahead of you, you know, regardless of where you are in your career, there are other things that are going on in your life, in your home life, in your social life, you know, that you need to also pay attention to and not just cleave too tightly onto one particular opportunity because that's not really within your control. Like I said, you could put your best foot forward and still not get there. It, 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 it's just, it's, it's it's a lot of different factors that go into play, you know, and then you find out, oh, well, you know, this person got hired because of this or this person got hired because of that. And, th- and that doesn't really matter. Don't let that discourage you. It's like, okay, I'm going to be mad for a minute. <laughs> I might cry. I might fall apart. And that's fine. You know, go through your grieving process and your mourning process, but don't don't stay there and don't live there. But, you know, let yourself feel your feelings and then get back into the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so like what you were saying, so much of hiring is about fit. And so in a way, when it's meant to work, it will. Right. And it's, you know, I see a lot of candidates come in. I was, you know, the last several positions I've had, I've helped a lot of our um, different division managers hire staff. And, you know, I'm looking for certain things and they're looking for certain things. And then we'll kind of talk about, you know, each candidate as they come and go. And it's not just always whether or not you as the candidate fit into what that posted job description was. It's like, okay, I have X amount of years of experience. I have a certain degree or whatever. It's really about your soft skills as well. And I personally place just as much value on your soft skills and your ability to be good with customers, good with your coworkers, good with the public, especially as an HR professional, as I do on your certifications and your education, because I can put you in a position and essentially give you enough training on the job to understand, you know, you're coming in with a little experience or education or whatever, but you're still going to have to learn some things on the job. But if you're coming in with some advanced degree in human resources and you have 20 years of experience and whatever, whatever, but you're salty or you're too difficult to deal with, then I'm not interested. You know, I'm really interested in that well-rounded candidate where, okay, well, this person may not have as much experience and they're just, you know, getting through their certificate program or whatever, but those soft skills and the way that I connect with that person and their personality and their outlook and their demeanor is exactly what I'm looking for because you can't teach that. Mm, I love that too. And I think soft skills are really a place where both women can shine, but also sometimes we forget how much power and capability we have in this area. And I think it's just there's so much potential, I think, for women as a whole in the professional world to continue to up level by connecting with those soft skills, because I believe that there's still so much that we have to offer that's totally untapped right now. Absolutely, because we went through a whole, you know, generation of change in the workplace where we were getting there, you know, everything's going to be automated and we're technologically advanced and this, that, and the other, but we lost a lot of the human side of what goes on in the workplace and getting back to that now where it's like, okay, well, you know, everybody's digitized and whatever, you still have to deal with, with the humanity of what goes on in, in the workplace. You know, there still has to be that element of caring for your your organization, caring for the people that work there and helping them, you know, 
maintain and come to work and be in a good mood and be in a good environment from a cultural perspective. So if your workplace is too much of a grind and there's no compassion there, you know, people come in with their whole lives. So outside of work, you're going through separating from your partner, you're, you know, losing out financially, you have too much debt, you know, you're going through a custody battle or whatever. All of that also comes into the workplace. So being able to see our employees as human beings that are experiencing whatever it is they're experiencing also is just as important as production, as as what they're doing to produce and what they're doing for a living for you, because you can't really have one without the other. You know, you can't just grind and grind and grind and hope that that person stays around and you're not really taking into account the other things that they might be experiencing and being compassionate toward that as well. I love that. Thank you so much. You crushed the speaking up question. I feel like this was an entire <laughs> mini interview. <laughs> that was awesome. I loved it. For the final question, um, this is basically where I give the guests the floor to share, you know, whatever they would want women to hear. So I, this show was inspired by some of the difficult times I've been through in my career. And so mm-hmm. I like to use this last part as a chance for the guests to talk to anyone who might need like some encouragement or who might be in a difficult place and just share whatever you think would be important um, for that person to hear. Um, I think what kind of what I touched on before, as far as when I've had setbacks and difficulties is when I've learned the most valuable lessons. You know, it's very easy to be satisfied and complacent when things are going well. And it's like, okay, well, I got this going on and this is covered and and whatever. But nobody's life stays on that path for any great length of time. You know, you need to be prepared for what's coming around the corner at you. So if you find yourself in a position where you're low or you're discouraged or you're feeling defeated, then let yourself have those feelings. I think we often try to say, oh, well, you know, just cheer up or this is okay and this will, you know, get better or whatever. But okay, but I just found out that I didn't get that job, you know, four hours ago. So I'm not over, (laughs) I'm not over it yet. You know, I I need a moment and take that moment, take that day, take that week, take a couple weeks, especially if you were really looking forward to having some type of change um, happen in your life. That's, that's maybe not happening right now. And there are other reasons why that's not happening. So if you're being redirected to something else and you've, you know, experienced that setback or that downturn, let that be what it is and let yourself be as, you know, mad, upset, unhappy about it or whatever, but give yourself also a a limit, I guess. So what I found myself doing, it's like, okay, I'm going to be mad about this for the next 48 hours. I'm going to take this weekend to just be, you know, hurt, you know, or mad or, or whatever. But come Monday, I'm going to get back in there. I'm going to, you know, and I would have a list of things that I was ready to do, but I also allowed myself to just go through that valley because it's, it, it's not that simple when, especially when you express it to somebody else and it's like, no, but I was really looking forward to, you know, having this other promotion or this other opportunity. And now I'm not just disappointed, but I'm just, flat, you know, and let yourself be flat. Cause I think that that's 
that's a part of the human experience. I think it's good for your mental health to have some of those down days where it's just like, I'm just down today and I'm just going to stay down. I'm not going to try to rush myself to feel better because then it becomes, then you're mad at everything. You know, then it's just kind of like, you know, why is this? I saw, I saw this other thing the other day that says, you know, sometimes you get so mad, you're like, why is this floor on the floor? You know? And so it's just like, you get mad about just the most innocuous bunches of nonsense, you know? And because you're, you're spraying that, that, that those negative emotions all over everything in your life. But if you let yourself just really experience it, experience that negativity and get it out of your system, then you can move on from it, you know, but if you rush it too much, it's still going to be there, but you want it to dissipate a little bit, you know, you don't want to go through the rest of your week or month or year with a high concentration of negativity. And then look forward to the next thing, you know, focus on some of the other areas of your life. When I was having issues um, in some of the positions that I've had where I was like, I feel a little stuck here. I've tried to interview for other positions and I didn't get them. I started other hobbies. You know, I went back to school. I started powerlifting, you know, and so those were some of the things that helped me deal with some of the stuff that maybe wasn't going so great, but I feel like I had control over in other areas of my life because you have to look at your life as 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 a whole as a as a broad spectrum and it's not just work it's not just your relationship it's not just your finances it's not just any one particular thing because everything in your life is dynamic it's going to change it's going to wax and wane and sometimes you're riding high in one area and you're low in this other area and you just need to try to find that balance throughout i love that thank you so much regina Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Regina. And if you want to hear more from her, check out her podcast, which is called Office Politics Radio. In her own words, the show is about helping listeners create and achieve more harmony at work in spite of the politics. And it is filled with interesting and useful information on some of the same things that we do on this show, how to get by and be happy and at peace at work. I will link her podcast in the show notes. And if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. And if this show is adding to your life in any way, if it's helpful, if you feel like I've given something to you by creating this show and putting it out there, you can, if you want to, give something back to me very, very easily just by rating the show or leaving a review in the iTunes store. It helps me know that people are listening and it helps me know that people like the show. And it honestly just makes me feel really, really good. I don't know exactly what it does for the show's growth, but when I know someone's listening and enjoying the content, it really gives me this crazy fuel to keep going. So if you're enjoying the show, and if now feels like the right time to give back a spark of joy to me, I would be so appreciative of that. And I also wanted to let you know that I think this topic of salary and negotiating and our confidence and our self-worth around what we make is super important. And after working on this episode, I realized that this is a topic that I want to hit on more on the show. So you'll probably see more content around this coming your way always feel free to get in touch with me. I'll put my contact information in the show notes. If you have suggestions or questions or things that would be helpful for you when it comes to the topic of salary and money and asking for more, and if there are places where you're feeling stuck, 
or you could use some help or some mentorship in terms of navigating all of this because it can be super hard and complicated. I've created a Facebook group. It's a private group, so you can only see what's in there if you go in the group. And I'm hoping that if there's anyone out there who's feeling stuck or who needs help, you can use that as a safe space to ask for help. And I will do my best to pop in there and help you wherever I can. The reason that I started this podcast is because I have this crazy unbridled passion for empowering women. And I love mentoring women and I love helping women find those things about them that make them strong and use those strengths to propel their careers forward. And I do it in every way I possibly can. And this podcast is one incredible way for me to reach more people. And so if there's anything that I can do to help you, I would love to. If you want to join the Facebook group, you can find it just by going on Facebook and searching for The Art of Speaking Up in the search bar, and it'll pull up the group. It'll ask you a couple of questions before you join, because I want to make sure that everybody who joins is, is actually a listener of the podcast, so it can be a safe space. And if there's anything I can help you with or that the show can help you with, that's a place where you can let me know. I want to thank you for listening. I feel really grateful to be able to reach you. And I feel really grateful that you found the show and that it's helpful and that you've made it all the way here to the end. I hope that this new year has been treating you well so far. And I really hope that this show, as I release more and more episodes, can help you grow and evolve and maybe see a version of yourself, a stronger version of yourself that was always there, but you needed just a little help or a little bit of permission to fully see and fully recognize. So have an amazing day. Have an amazing week. And as you know, by now, I will catch you next week. Bye. Bye.